The Bible says what? The Bible says what? The Bible says what? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says what? Well, grace and peace. Welcome to the Bible says what podcast. What's up, Paul? How are you doing, buddy? Hey, my name is Paul Desay. I'm in Columbus, Indiana. And I'm John Gibson at Centerville uh, Living Hope Church. It's good to be with you, John. You too, buddy. We're back. This is episode two. Welcome to episode two of The Bible Says What? Yeah, hey, so we're wrestling with the Bible. I mean, that's what we're doing. We're we're talking about the tough stuff. We're trying to answer the question. John's laying smack down. And we are, uh, we're just trying to deal with the problems of the Bible, the, the challenges. We're a lot like uh, uh, Jacob wrestling with uh, the angel or wrestling with God through the night. And, or and, Hulk Hogan wrestling with Andre the Giant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we both, we have, we have different images that come to mind when you say wrestling. Actually, the, the, isn't the, the name of the people of God mean to wrestle with God? Yeah, Israel? yeah. Yeah, Israel that. means uh, Israel means uh, wrestle. Yeah. I wonder if they watched the Royal Rumble or had their own version. You never know. Did you, you watch? Know. Did you watch wrestling when you grew up? I did. I did. I loved. I thought you were a fanatic. Yeah, Ric Flair, the Four Horsemen. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, what was the? What were those guys with the spikes on their shoulders? Were they the dem, the demolition? Oh, the, ro- ro- the Road Warriors. Road Warrior. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and the Macho Man. How did we yeah. get here? I thought we were talking about the Bible. That was my no, we're talking wrestling. About wrestling. You said wrestling. That's right. Yeah, we're going to wrestle with the Bible. I'm excited, actually, because I think we're not the only people that um, find ourselves in a wrestling situation with the Bible. You know, it's that image of grappling with something we don't quite understand, trying to make it what we want it to be while it tells us what it is. And for me, that really is the Bible sometimes. And it also is with this question we're going to deal with today. This will be a fun one. I can't wait. I can't wait to say what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I'll let you say it first. Yeah, yeah. If you're listening out there, we just want to give you permission to wrestle with the Bible. Somebody just Absolutely. Need, somebody just uh, maybe just needs to give you permission today. So go for it. Wrestle. It's all right. It's messy. And uh, we're going to wrestle today. So we're going to be talking about well, first, let me let me read the question here that was asked of us. So a lot of language in the Bible seems figurative. How do we decide what to take literally and what to interpret figuratively? So oh, that's the question. My goodness. That's a huge, that's a huge question. Paul and I were kind of chatting about this uh, a little bit ago. You know, we're not going to answer that whole entire question today. But what we hope it does is launches us into a whole lot of uh, little conversations about how that overarching question affects the way we read the Bible, right, Paul? Absolutely. So, That's gigantic. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about Balaam and the donkey, right? And uh, so we're going to talk about that particular story, but really what we're talking about is to whether interpret the donkey talking or not as a literal... Wait, what? Figurative. Did you but, just say the donkey talks? Right, right, right. The Bible has a story where the donkey, a donkey talks. That's right. Right. So what do we do with that? Does that, is that, crazy. Really, does that really happen? Or <laughs> is that a, is that just something like a parable, you know? And, and, and for a lot of people, this question is a sticking point. So they, they, we, we can't get past whether it was literal or figurative to get to the meaning 
of the text. And so that's a sticking point that I have had a problem with throughout the years. And John, have you struggled with that literal figurative question? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, um, a dangerous path a lot of times that uh, we, we walk as preachers. How much am I going to let out of the bag when I preach on Sunday morning about this very thing? Um, it can be treacherous, you know, to, to communicate to folks whether something is figurative or literal, because there, it seems like there's this huge minefield because a lot of times I run in uh, up against the tension, Paul, with folks that if something isn't literal, then the rest of the Bible has to be thrown out, you know, because it either all has to be literal or not. And I feel like that that's such a dangerous viewpoint because it, it puts everything it doesn't give us much permission to kind of wiggle around with what is it, you know, let alone we're going to talk about this, this donkey story and the talking donkey, but it covers so many other things. If, if we just put ourselves in this box that it has to be literal, then we, I think we miss sometimes the truth of what the scripture is saying, because we just can't let ourselves have a little bit of permission to, and I think the important thing is too, Paul, that we're not just making this decision on our own. If we say everything's literal, I think we're stepping away from the reality and the responsibility of even just reading the text and trying to understand what is the text trying to tell us? Like, how was it written? Who was it written to? What literary form was it written in? And those are kind of, I think we let ourselves off the hook of being responsible Bible readers when we just across the board say, no, oh, it's all literal because that's easier. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, we wouldn't read uh, other type of literature the way we read the Bible. I mean, for a lot of us that we refuse to read poetry as poetry. And so the Bible does have millions of different forms of literature. I'm exaggerating. That's and those, those forms have to be read uh, appropriately. And a parable needs to be a parable. Uh, poetry does need to be poetry. And just because it's a Bible doesn't mean that you read it differently than you do any other genre. So, you know, apocalyptic literature needs to be read as apocalyptic literature, whether it's in the Bible or not the Bible. Uh, and that's important uh, for any student of history or any form of literature. Uh, but we struggle with that. I mean, you know, I struggle with that. I, I was told that the Bible is true. And so I meant, I, what I learned from that meant is that the Bible was literally true. But to be true doesn't mean it doesn't have to be literal. Uh, every story in the Bible has a message, uh, and it communicates that message in multiple different ways. Sometimes it's through a song, or sometimes it's through a prayer, sometimes it's through a story. Uh, but there's a message in every one of those passages. I don't know about you, Paul, but sometimes I read, and I, I even see Jesus coming up against this, that as humans, we, we sometimes miss the point. Have you yeah. ever missed the point? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think a lot of the point. We do this a lot when we read the scriptures, where we, we focus on things that's not really the thing that we should be focusing on, you know? Uh, the, the phrase, keep it simple, stupid, keeps coming into my mind that I, my grandfather kept all over. Like, don't, like, we, we, we have this obsession with overanalyzing and overthinking because I, I think it's because we want to be right. We want to be confident that we're right. I think that might be a part of this, but in the midst of that whole process, I think we miss sometimes altogether what, what it's supposed to be about. You know, what the, what is the truth being communicated to us? Yeah. And, and, and we have to remember that the Bible kind of has this purpose, this 
you know, 30,000 foot purpose is it's, it's to point to Jesus. And, and sometimes we get lost in the weeds, you know, and, and we, we make the stories about other things. But overall, there's this message out there that points to Jesus in somehow, shape, or form. Uh, I, I come across a, a big challenge through the years of Bible reading is this, uh, it's called flat reading a Bible which means that every verse is equally important. That's the way certain people interpret the scripture. But ultimately, uh, everything in the Bible is useful and everything in the Bible is important. But ultimately, the Bible is here given to us for a reason. And so we can get lost in literal, figurative stories and arguments on things. But the purpose of the Bible is to point to Jesus. And so the question that we have to wrestle with is how does this story of Balaam and his ass have to do with Jesus? That's, <laughs> <laughs> I love, I just love it so much because it, it opens up such a, a, a beautiful depth of scripture. If you just read the Bible without trying to see its connection to Jesus, you are missing out. Like Paul and I want to like want to express that to you more than anything. I think today we I, we kind of happened. We stumbled on that one. If you're not reading the scripture and asking the question, how does this point me to Jesus? You are missing out on some fun brain hurt. <laughs> because some stuff like this is a really cool passage in and of itself, but how does it connect us to Jesus? And what would he say about it? And how does he want to change our life? I, I think that's a really cool, profound thought, Paul, that sometimes gets lost in translation, is that yeah. from Genesis to the maps, it's all pointing to him. And we want to make it about a lot of other things. But at the end of the day, it's pointing to Jesus and what he means for us. That's super important. A talking, a, a talking, a talking, talking, donkey. talking donkey. Uh, is it literal or is it figurative, John? That's a good question, Paul. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> if, you, if you take a look at what scholars throughout history say, all right, and I, I did some studying uh, Jewish scholars. So we got Old Testament Hebrew scholars and they're mixed on it. Some say this is ancient folklore, like a parable, like Jesus told. And some people say that this is one of those supernatural type of situations, kind of like the talking snake in the garden, that this yeah. is a miracle of some sort. Um, uh, but I think no matter where you land on the literal figurative spectrum here in this story, there's a point to the story. Yeah. And uh, and so regardless of where you are on it, um, don't miss the point. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't like some weird thing to have talking animals in the scripture. And even in ancient literature, I, I love a lot of what uh, you sent me, Paul. This this idea of that like mystics or people who were spiritually inclined or thinking about that spiritual realm were oftentimes spoken to in visions or spoken to by perceptions of animals talking to them to understand what was going on in the situation. I also thought it was really interesting that th there's there's this connection to three confrontations that this had, which, which is a literary connection to kind of a mythic or a folklore kind of situation where this, this mystic has these three interactions that are trying to teach him this certain thing. Uh, those kind of little nuggets, if you, if you spend any amount of time on the Google machine, you can find really quickly some, some story 
behind the text. And I, I talked about that this past Sunday with our folks. That if you're not, if you're just reading the front, like if you're just reading the words on the page, you're missing so much because there's this whole story behind the text that helps us understand what is going on and why it's going on. And this is one of those occasions, you know, where you can, if you don't look at the story behind the text, you don't really even, you wouldn't find out that, wow, this, this is repeat, this literary form is repeated in other forms of ancient literature that maybe help us kind of get our head wrapped around what does it mean for this to be a fable or, or a folklore situation and what is it teaching us? That's right. So Jesus told parables over and over and over again, and every parable had a meaning, a message. And so he used things that people were familiar with. And in that way, Moses here, who is accredited to writing numbers, chapter 22, is that where we're at? So uh, that particular style of literature of folklore, kind of repetition three times to get a point across, is what the people were used to. And so just like Jesus used parables, uh, Moses is using a literary device that people would have, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So Balaam, yeah, donkey, right, three times. Uh, I think that's important that we recognize that. Um, you know, this is ancient literature. So before we go into like more of the figurative or um, literal talk, what's the point anyway? Of the, I mean, maybe we should just hit that real quick and help us kind of uh, not miss the point before we talk more about this figurative literal literal thing. What was the point of the of the story? Like what? Because <laughs> I love this. What did Balaam learn, and what does Balaam teach us about ourselves and about what God wants from us? Yeah. So uh, Balaam is a seer, right? Somebody who sees. It's kind of a shaman, uh, pagan but has a spiritual mystical sense a can see things that other people don't see so he's traveling on this road even though god told him not to he's traveling on this road to curse israel and he cannot see he's blind that a angel is blocking the path and this is a serious angel like think yeah, angel yeah. of death, hardcore, like, right, right. Yeah, you know, M sixteen in one hand, big old gigantic sword, and well, like, I don't know. About all, that. Yeah, I don't know, but it's but, it's an angel that's meant to be like meant. He means business. Yeah, it's referred to <laughs> as an adversary in the text, which Ooh, is that's good. a term that is used for Satan. Satan is the adversary. Yeah. So this angel means business, right? Is an adversary standing as an adversary. And the seer, S-E-E-R, cannot see the angel. That, that's the message there that we're getting. The person who is supposed to be able to see cannot see. So why is he blind? Well, I mean, I think that's really the point is he's elevated himself above the donkey, which is supposed to be a servitude to him. And so he ends up whipping the donkey because the donkey won't move, won't go into the path. And he misses the fact that something is blocking that. So the, the seer is blind. And, and so for me, I read a message like that. And if I got myself so confident, so full of myself that I can't see what I claim to be able to see. In other words, is my ego, if I elevated myself above something else or someone else, like a donkey. But in fact, in God's eyes, I've lowered myself below the donkey. Uh, seems somewhat ridiculous, but the, the thing that's so obvious, he cannot see. He can't I, see I, the thing right in front of his face. That's 
and I do that all the time. And, and I just had a kind of an image in my mind, Paul, uh, and I, I like to do this with scriptures. Uh, one of my favorite authors, Len Sweet, um, has kind of taught me this, is there, there's always connection, like metaphorical connection or imagery that spans the whole of scripture. So when I, when I hear a story that has a donkey in it, I immediately think of where else in the Bible is exactly. there a donkey and what can it teach us? And actually, as you were talking, the image that came to my mind, Paul, was Jesus riding the donkey into Absolutely. Jerusalem. And yep. it's this image of the whole world wants Jesus to be this thing where he comes and sets things straight, defeats Rome, right? They, they want what they want. They think they know, and they even go so far as to crucify Jesus because he's not what they want him to be. And they miss who he really is. And they miss that he has come to keep them from the very death that they are just heading, barreling towards, yeah. right? Well, and here's this yeah, here's this image of Jesus on a donkey and all these people saying, we know better. And Jesus is saying, no, you don't. And the, how do we enter into that kingdom? Well, in this story, we, I think the truth that comes out is Balaam needs to like, sub, like surrender and submit and recognize that you don't know. <laughs> in fact, the seer can't really see, and you need to listen a little bit better, you know? Absolutely. And that's exactly what I was thinking about Jesus on the donkey. Jesus is in a proper relationship with the donkey, right? Uh, and Balaam is not. Yeah. And so I think there is this connection between that we see Jesus in a proper relationship and Balaam is in an improper relationship with God's creation. Um, you know, there's this idea of synergy versus the idea of violent uh, oppression. And Balaam oppressed God's creation. And, you know, everything on this planet, it reflects the goodness of God, right? Everything was created as as good as Tove. That donkey was created as good, but Balaam misses it, oppresses the donkey, but in reality misses out what God's trying to communicate. Jesus respects God's creation. Jesus loves God's creation, including the donkey. The donkey is good, and so therefore we see a proper relationship and an improper relationship with all that God has provided for us. Super interesting. I love how between the two of us to see different kind of vantage points of that scripture and where it connects with other things in scripture and how it brings us to that just diverse form of truth, you know, that there's so many sides to what God is speaking in the midst of this thing. And really, at the end of the day, that's what's beautiful about this passage that we would miss if we're still rewind 15 minutes arguing about whether the donkey really talked or whether it was folklore, right? Absolutely. Literal or, or metaphor, literal or figurative. Well, you can land either side and argue to be right and miss the point and actually be just as blind as Balaam. Mm. We, we desperately want to be right though, don't we? Yeah. I think this kind of enters back into a little bit of what we chatted in the last episode about this, our desire for control. And I, I want the Bible to be just the way I understand it and want it to be and say the things I know it says. Because if it challenges any of that, then either I'm wrong or the Bible's wrong. And I'm not sure I can deal with either of those, mm. you know. Yeah, there's this idea of our desire to be right that supersedes our, our willingness to love. 
right? And so, and when you talk about Balaam's story and any other story, if the point of reading the Bible is to have right knowledge and miss the fact that the Bible is used to transform us to be more loving of a follower of Christ, then we've, we've missed the intention of the scripture. Um, and ultimately, you know, these stories are to help us become more loving, not necessarily right. That's a, that's deep, man. A lot of, lot of wars have been fought over whether I'm right or not, you know, especially in this, the land of biblical interpretation. And that, cause we just, we just continually get stuck on, on that reality, you know, and I, again, I, I keep draw, I'm drawn back because I've, I've encountered this as a preacher when I've, I've talked about maybe what's happening in scripture isn't what we perceive it to be, or isn't literally what we would perceive it to be. And it just gets so up in people's craw that if one thing isn't what you thought it is, then the rest has to be thrown out, you know, and I, I get really frustrated with that mentality. It's a hard, that's a hard thing for me to swallow. And because I see how it affects people's faith in such a negative way, because you're standing on this precipice all the time. If one thing isn't exactly what you think it to be, then the whole foundation falls apart. So what's the point? What's the bottom line, man? What, what, what do we want everyone to walk away with about the story of Balaam and his ass? I keep having this uh, phrase going over in my mind that I want to speak to people today is, when in doubt, don't freak out. Okay. <laughs> like it will, it, we want to give you permission that it will be okay to wrestle, to wonder, to ask questions, and to even live in a world where Balaam could Balaam have, t have, and his donkey had this encounter? Could, could the donkey have talked, Pastor Paul? Yes. Yes. Could it be a, a folktale that teaches us an ethic of some kind? Yes. <laughs> and it's okay. You have, it's you have officially been given permission by Pastor Paul and Pastor John uh, in all future uh, questionings of Scripture, whether something is literal or figurative to know that it's okay. And you may not, we may not ever have the answer until we get to stand before Jesus and say, hey, did the donkey talk? <laughs> that would be a funny scene, actually. It would. It would be. He'd be like, what? <laughs> yeah, either that or the donkey behind him be like, dang right, I did. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So my, my, uh, my landing point, my bottom line is this, don't miss what's right in front of you. Good. Balaam missed it. Right in front of him was an angel guarding his way. And uh, he missed it completely. And I believe that the Bible has a lot of stories that are, uh, have a message right there for us, but we get lost in biblical interpretation and miss what's right in front of us. So, so helpful for my own journey, Paul, too, because I, I, I get into the place where I forget that, you know, you're reading scripture, you're, doing, you're trying to study, trying to get the answers, but to be set free to know the most important thing is just to not miss what's right in front of your face you know, as people of God and as, as Bible readers and what great, what great permission, what a great reminder that the most important things are oftentimes not the things we think are most important, but instead yeah. looking for the obvious, what is the truth? What is God saying to us? Good stuff, Paul. It's good stuff, man. I'm, this has been good, good conversation today, literal metaphorical, and this is just the beginning. We're going to be digging into this topic more and more and more 
about how to interpret scripture, whether it's literal or figurative. And we'll use some examples, uh, some well-known examples maybe. Um, and and we'll, we'll try to approach it from different angles to get at the heart of the, each one of these messages. Uh, and as John said, you have permission to wrestle with the text and find that message. We would love to hear from you. Uh, we're, as we kind of build our listener base, we would love to have questions, your questions, to be able to talk about right here. And an episode of the Bible says what? Uh, let us know what your questions are. Where do you, what, what you know, roadblocks come up when you're reading the scriptures and make you go, huh? And make you wonder if you've lost your mind or if you know. You know, we would love to have you submit some of your questions. You can find a link uh, in the, the notes below, the show notes below, of how you can submit questions to, uh, to us in that way. Absolutely. So what's next week, you know? So, you know, I have an idea, if you're, if you're all right with it, right? Let it, let it bubble forth, Pastor Paul. Here we go. Let's, let's talk about Jonah and the whale. Jonah and the whale. That sounds to me like another fact or fantasy conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. Literal or figurative. Did Which Jonah one? get eaten? Now, let me, I will say this. If you, you, you can see me right now in my office. I have two gigantic fish on my wall. I love to fish. Can you imagine the size of that fish that to, or maybe Jonah was just a little dude. I don't know, but hard to say, but did it happen? Did it happen? And what's the point if it did? Or what's the point of today? Right. What's the point if it didn't? Let's not miss what's right in front of us. I could, that would be, that would be a great conversation. I can't wait to do a little uh, digging behind the text of Jonah. Maybe find out more about that story. So Jonah and the whale next time here on the Bible says what? Can't wait for that one, Pastor Paul. Yeah. Hey, it's been good conversation. Uh, thanks for joining us today for the Bible says what? Hey, John, thanks again, man. I appreciate you. Have a great week. Hey, grace and peace, everyone. Take care. The Bible says what? The Bible says what? What does this Bible say? The Bible says what?